0: Chapter 47 King Cotton Well, come on in, Tristan. Don't be shy. You letting out all the heat. It took a few heartbeats, several pulse-pounding heartbeats, before my eyes adjusted to the gloom. The passageway had been dim, but this room was two shadows short of midnight black. The layout mirrored my visions. There, in the corner, the barrels stacked up to the deck. The rectangular burlap bags, their faded black letters illegible in the dark. And mounds, I mean mounds, of the white... Cotton, I said, astonished. Smart boy, smart, smart boy. That's why I like you, want to help you. I didn't see the haint at first. Cotton was strewn across the floor, piled up in the corners, and bursting out of several stained, split-open bundles. But there, in the highest mound in the far corner, lay the figure of what used to be a man, Uncle C, Uncle Cotton. From what I could see, he was stylish. He wore a pair of fine, polished patent leather dress shoes, silk dress socks, creased trousers, and had a pocket watch chain dangling from the pocket. But that's all I could see. The top half of him lay beneath a white heap of soggy cotton, The only thing showing above his waist was the left side of his face, ashy pale and blistered around the lips. His eye, blue as the bay outside, blinked open and the corner of his mouth crinkled into a smile. Looky here, lookie here. Look what the cat dragged in. I'd get up, but, well, I'm a bit under the weather. He laughed, a raspy chuckle that irritated my ears like forks scraping against plates. Well, come in, come in, don't be shy. We got a lot to talk about, don't we? I studied him. This was the architect of nearly everything bad that had happened in Midpass and Alki, the one who had stirred up the bone Ships, the iron monsters, the hull beasts, the bran flies, the evil behind the abductions of people and animals and the pillaging of their homes. Because of him, Ayana was suffering, maybe even... He watched me study him, but when I squeezed the straps on my shoulder, his eyes latched on to my backpack and a suspicious look crossed his face. "What you got there?" For a second, my heart thudded in my chest like the war drums in the ridge. I hid it, though, and shuffled closer, just a bit. "I brought you what you wanted. Now give me my memories. I told you to bring me the story box." Not some raggedy knapsack. Where is it? Uncle Cotton demanded. Right here, I said, patting my backpack. Where's my journal? Where are my memories? My voice felt thick and speaking was difficult. My chest wouldn't stop heaving and my palms were sweating. He He eyed me, then chuckled. Straight to the point. Okay, I like that. No shucking and jiving around the issue. Well, my boy, I'm not your boy, I said, breathing hard after every word. His eyebrow rose. Okay, then. Okay. No need for rudeness. I thought you were better than that. You are better than that. I know it. You and me we are the same, determined, focused, driven. I understand what you're going through, believe me. Having something stripped away, ripped from you, the loneliness, the emptiness... I squeezed my eyes shut. Give me my journal. Okay, okay. Everything you need is right there. I opened my eyes to see that he had shifted slightly, so his face pointed toward the corner off to my right. I spied a door, its bottom half covered in thick roots and thorny vines, and my spirits sank. How am I supposed to get in there? I've never seen a half-face look more apologetic. Tristan, Tristan, I told you, you gots to trust me. What you're missing is in that room, beyond that there tangle, and I can get you to it. I told you I could help, and I will, believe me, but I can't do nothing like this. His eye looked down at his buried torso before fixing me with a pleading gaze. You've got to help me if you want me to do the same. I told you, free me. And I can free everybody. Free you, I repeated. Uncle Cotton grimaced, a cruel twist of the face. My own fault, really. This world is built on the power of story, boy. Seems my story is intertwined with this here floating death palace. Cotton and the Maffa. Greed and enslavement, I whispered. Cotton shifted, a movement I realized was a shrug. Nature of the Beast. Funny, right? You freed me, only for me to end up tangled in something even stronger. His pale eye flicked to the story box. I took a step back. But with that? Oh yeah, with that I could rewrite my own story. You went from chump to champ. Imagine what I could become. The legends, the history. It's the only way, he said something rustled in the mountain of cotton and a withered hand with nails black and sharp rose feebly out of the white fluff give it to me let me help you i hesitated let me help you he whispered again and the insistent demand wormed its way into my brain i slipped off the backpack and held it in my right hand and you'll give me my memories and the journal right away A snarl rippled across his half-face before it faded and a smile appeared. Sure, Tristan, sure thing. Just as soon as you free me, I'll get it to you. You'll have what you want. All your stories, every single one. Heck, here's a few reminders to get you started, just so you know I'm on the level. He took a deep breath, then blew gently on the cotton in front of him. Little strands of white, barely visible in the dark, floated toward me like a cloud. I backed up, but the threads consumed me. I froze in fear, feeling a tingling sensation that started in the center of my spine and moved upward, increasing in strength as it went, until my forehead buzzed. Eddie's smiling face popped into my head, both of us sitting at the table, going over our English project. Eddie at the corner store. Eddie holding the heavy bag for dear life as I threw hooks and crosses and jabs and straights. The memories swept over me, and I felt months of stress leak out of my shoulders. Now, then, the buried haint's lone eyebrow was arched again, and it brought me back to the present like a splash of ice-cold water to the face. Anansi's adinkra burned hot against my wrist, and I fiddled with it in Yamakita's bead. A deal's a deal, Tristan. I nodded, swallowed then took a step forward and dropped the backpack into his straining hand. He fumbled with it, then snagged a strap and clutched it tight. He inhaled, then exhaled, and the skin on his face seemed to ripple. Help me, he demanded. Help me out of here. This was it. Once he was free, everything would hang by a thread. I prayed I'd thought this plan through enough as I inched closer. I scooped handfuls of soggy cotton away from him, like wet sand at the beach. The waterlogged fibers weighed a ton and they clung to my fingers as I tried to hurl piles away. Slowly, a body began to emerge from the mess. A head with stringy gray hair slicked back tight to his skull. "'Teeth bright white, so white they seemed fake, "'except for the single gold tooth in the back. "'And he was rail-thin. "'He wore a matching suit jacket, "'and beneath it a collared shirt starched stiff. "'Uncle Cotton hugged the story box tight. "'Before my eyes, his face lost its wrinkles, "'smoothing out to look like that of a much younger man. "'And the Cotton, all the Cotton in the room, "'began to tremble slowly at first. But soon each dingy white ball bounced and hopped as if in an earthquake. They rolled on the floor and tumbled down from the piles in the corners, hightailing it to where Uncle Cotton lay with his eyes closed, a heavy sigh escaping his lips. They bounced down his collar, rolled into his sleeves and pant legs, even into his socks. Soon all the cotton in the room was gone. It filled his clothes like straw in a scarecrow. All that was left were the thorny roots digging into the bottom of the door to the next compartment. I had to get him to remove those, too, or this plan was doomed. Help me up. His voice, stronger and more confident, grabbed my attention and I stretched out an arm. His hands felt like leathery claws as they slipped around my wrist like handcuffs. But he was light, so light it surprised me. Cotton spilled out of his jacket sleeves and pant cuffs before it was drawn back inside like a yo-yo on a string. He patted down his hair and kept the right side of his face turned away from me, though his left eye rolled toward me and winked. Ah, you don't know how good it feels being free from that there prison, trapped like a hog before dinner time, I swear. And this... He held up the story box by its two straps and stopped speaking as the magical treasure slowly morphed back into the shape of a chest. He giggled, and the giggle turned into a chuckle, which grew into a hearty laugh that sounded wet and loose. Ha ha, looky here. Boy, I feel that power, let me tell you. I can feel it right as rain. Whoo wee we gonna have us a party. He fumbled at the lid trying to release the catch. It held fast, and his smile slowly faded as he tried again and again to open the story box. He grunted, swore, dropped it to the floor, and pulled with both hands. He looked up, and I flinched. The right side of his face, up to and surrounding his right eye socket, was a mass of viney wood stems and shredded cotton. His eye socket blazed, and he snarled, "'Why won't this thing open?' I licked my lips. Because only I can open it. Well, then, do it, boy! Ain't got time for your games! The door behind him was still covered in roots. I took a deep breath, then shook my head. No. No! He barked the words so violently my hands were up and my fists clenched before I realized it. His teeth were bared and his claw like fingernails suddenly became longer and sharper, like talons. They grew and grew, twisting and turning toward me, and too late I realized they were slender branches, thin, itchy switches with barbed hooks. They snaked around my wrist and out my arm, digging into my skin, and Uncle Cotton leaned in close. No? he repeated. Not, I squeezed the words through my teeth, before you give me my journal, like you said. He looked ready to spit, maybe worse. The branches tightened around my wrist as proof of what they could do, and then they loosened enough so I could talk without wincing. Red marks crisscrossed my left arm. "'Uncle Cotton swallowed whatever curse dangled on his tongue, "'and suddenly the smooth, polished smile was back. "'Okay, then, okay. "'Sure, you're right. Gotta help. "'But I gotta make sure you're on the level. "'I need to know I can trust you, Tristan. "'I'm gonna have to rely on you when we get outside. "'We came to this world together, and if we go out there as a team "'and you let them know I'm here to help, to be a savior, "'shoot, ain't no stopping us. I'll be a hero.' "'That's what they're looking for, right? "'A hero to come trotting along and rescue them from themselves. "'Well, here I am.' "'He preened, even as the rumbles of the mafas "'smashing against the golden crescent, shook the room. "'His blue eye narrowed, a calculating look entering it, "'and the cotton branches began to squeeze me again "'as he grew even more excited. "'They might give me the keys to the city. "'I mean, look at you.' They gave you all sorts of godly charms, and you just a boy with a few stories. Anansi's chosen one. Ha! He scoffed. Wait until a real tale-teller, a word-spinner, a true weaver comes along. They'll forget all about that spider and his little brood. He froze as a thought struck him. They might even make me king. His cotton-encrusted eye socket fixed on me, and terror gripped me so fiercely I couldn't breathe. Yeah, King Cotton. That's got a real ring to it, don't it, boy? A peal of thunder rumbled in the distance. Drums and shouts echoed in my ears. My mouth moved once, twice, three times before something resembling a word crawled out of it. Yeah, yeah. "'Ah, don't worry. King Cotton will take care of his friends. "'You could be my ward, my heir apparent. "'Play your cards right, and you could have your own little palace here. "'Pick any one you want. They're all empty.' "'He cackled and slapped his knee. "'My memories?' I gasped out past the pulsing pain in my arm. "'Right, right. Getting ahead of myself. "'Well, go ahead, Tristan. Get your little friend's stories, "'and let's shut this raiding party down.' you and I got some planning to do. His right eye turned bright white as he puffed out his narrow chest, sucked in a mouthful of air, and blew a stream of cottonseed-filled air at the door. The vines creeping around the compartment shriveled and peeled away like flowers wilting under the baking sun. Soon nothing remained but little piles of dirt scattered on the creaking wooden deck. The pain in my arm faded as the branches untwisted and retreated back into his fingernails. Uncle Cotton beamed. Happy? Memories rushed back into my mind like a floodgate had been opened. Cotton watched, then pointed to the newly opened door. Inside the cell-like compartment, a brown book lay against the wall. Eddie's journal. An ominous rumble rattled the deck as I crossed the few feet to pick up the little book. Its leather cover was warped and the pages were water-stained, but you know what? I didn't care. It was Eddie's. It was mine, and I had it once more. The deck shuddered again, and Uncle Cotton looked around with a frown. Now what's got this hunk of junk all up in arms? A small smile crossed my face. The Maffa was keeping its promise. I'd gotten Uncle Cotton's tendrils out of the hull, and now the ship was preparing to return to the bottom of the sea where it belonged. A seam appeared in the deck between two planks and water started bubbling through. I backed away. Time was running out. I turned to head through the passageway only to find Uncle Cotton standing in front of me. The story box extended a weird gleam in his blue eye. You ain't thinking about skipping out on me, is you? Tristan. Nah, you wouldn't do that. You're a man of honor, like me. I held up my end of the bargain. You got your little book. Now it's time for you to open the story box. A section of the hull broke off behind him with a loud crack, and a green sea water began to gush inside. Open it! Uncle C shouted. I flinched. Okay, okay. I took a deep breath, then reached for the story box, pulling on the thread that connected tales from all over the world, and the lid opened, spilling bright golden light into the flooding room. Uncle C started to laugh. The raspy sound grew louder and louder as the moffa fell apart around the haint and me. "'Yes, yes! Wait, what in the—' He bent his head closer to the story box, lifting it to his face, and then jerked back when a quick flurry of sap balls flew out and smacked him in the eyes. "'Heard you was looking for these hands!' A tiny voice shouted from inside the story box. "'Well, here they are, and Gumbaby gonna deliver them to you free of charge. Sap attack!' The little loudmouth flipped out of the story box, light trailing off her like streams of glitter. Gumbaby jumped on top of the haint's head and fired sap ball after sap ball into his face until he wore a mask of sticky, dark amber. "'Return of the sap, Needlehead. Don't call it a gumback. "'Uncle C grunted as he struggled beneath the weight of the sap "'being absorbed by his cottony self. "'That's for Chestnut, and that's for Ayana, "'and that's for having the nerve to throw rocks at that throne, chump. "'You no good, mealy-mouthed, dandelion-faced, thistlehead. "'Gum baby!' I shouted. "'Let's go! Snot sorter! Gum baby!' "'She kicked him upside the head one more time for good measure.' and that last effort made the haint topple backward into the water rising around our feet. As I fell, I snatched the story box from his hands. After it transformed into the black and gold book bag, I put it on and Gum Baby scrambled on top. Tristan! Uncle C wriggled in the water, his cotton getting even heavier now, and spat sap out of his mouth. "'Don't you leave me like this, boy. I helped you. "'None of them folks out there lifted a finger for you before I did. "'I made you what you are, boy. Don't you leave me.' "'Another splintering crack echoed like a gunshot deep in the maffa, "'and the ship tilted, lifting me higher while Uncle C slid to the other side. "'Water came rushing down the passageway. "'There was no exiting the way we'd entered.' That left the compartment behind us, where Eddie's journal had been stashed, and I darted toward it. Maybe there was a porthole I could... Tristan! The lack of emotion in Uncle C's voice forced my head around before I could stop myself. His head faced in my direction, his eyes still covered in sap. The bulkhead closest to him slowly broke apart. You know this ain't over, right? I will find you, boy. I will find you and... The sea stormed in, foaming and angry, carrying broken planks and limp fetterlings and flushed the haint away in mid-threat. The water hadn't reached the little room yet, but I could feel the ship going down. Gumbaby climbed onto my shoulder. We need to move, Bumble Tongue, and fast. Yeah, I said, staring at the maelstrom. You're right. And I entered the next room just as the upper deck fell with a groaning smash.